Hi, I'm Orla Venus. And I'm Ricardo Deacon. And you're listening to Dublin Digital Radio, and welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen, we watch it, and then we meet and discuss it. All the energy, Orla. <laughs> so Orla is very unwell, um, <laughs> so she'd like to apologise in advance for sounding raspy. Uh, this week's film is The Rules of the Game from 1939, Directed by Jean Renoir, produced by Claude Renoir and Jean Jay. Jean, Jean, yeah. I don't know if that's a man or a woman. Okay, I'm going to go for Jean Jay. <laughs> Written by Jean Renoir and Carl Koch, starring Nora Gregor, Paulette Dubost, Marcel Delio, and Roland Toten, and, and Jean Renoir. Music by Joseph Cosma and Roger. De Sormier. Yay! Cinematography. So many Jeans here. Cinematography by Jean Bachelet. Fuck well, you, well done. France. <laughs> this it's is only like the 20th French movie that we've done. Yeah, yeah. There's something just easy about Jean Pierre Melville. I don't know what. And the synopsis is. In this melancholy French social satire, Andre is having an affair with Christine, whose husband Robert himself is hiding his mistress. Meanwhile, Christine's married maid, Lisette, is romantically entangled with a local poacher. At a hunting party, trusted friend Octave... Octave? Yeah. Trusted friend Octave also confesses his feelings for Christine as the passions of the servants and the aristocrats dangerously collide. Ooh! Doesn't that sound light and not even remotely melancholy? <laughs> uh, so this week's film was picked by Ricardo. Ricardo, why did you pick this film? Well, like uh, I think I asked you before if you had seen any Renoir movies before, and you said nay. So yeah, I don't uh, think so. I decided to pick this. I was between this and La Grande Illusion, that is like his great anti-war movie, mm. uh, or the Saving Saving from Drowning. From uh, I can't remember the name of it. The it's also another social satire about a homeless man that is saved from drowning by a rich man. And then the rich man is like, oh, mm. I have to look after you because I saved your life. And that's the whole trope comes from that movie of like, if you save somebody's life, you have to look mm. after him kind of I thing. I am your man forever. And uh, he's one of the best directors of all time, Jean Renoir. Uh, this movie is widely considered one of the best movies of all time. Mm. Uh, even the the butchered cut that they released originally uh, after the, the war, uh, because the original negative got burnt during the war after yeah. an allied well, rain. This is made in 1939. Yeah, it's, so. a, it's one of the, the, the things that makes the movie really interesting because uh, Renoir wanted to make the, uh, decided to make the movie uh, like from the idea of making the movie to the moment that it got released, it was done between May 1938 and it was released around May 1939. So it's between the Munich Agreement and uh, the beginning of World War II proper. Um, Renoir knew that the war was coming. That's one of the reasons that he made the Grand Illusion, like a attempt to... As an anti-war movie. Yeah, to, to pacify cool heads or whatever using art. Also, it's a, a clear indictment of French society at the time that it's like the blind leading the blind towards another war. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, he didn't want to make a movie that was as heavy as Le Grand Illusion or uh, I think he did Le Marseille before this. 
uh, he wanted to make a comedy of sorts and then he made this and uh, ever since uh, the the this version was rediscovered around in the i think it was in the 60s mm. uh, uh this movie popped is the only movie that has been in every single uh top 10 of the sight and sound uh, list for from critics to best movie of all time wow that and citizen kane i think so this used to be number two after citizen kane and then like uh uh, vertigo took over uh, a spot so i think it's sitting at number four at the moment or number five but hasn't left the top five vertigo overtook it yeah like uh, vertigo is number one now like vertigo it's what came out in 2012 as uh, it overtook citizen kane like for the first time in like 30 years or something. these new young critics <laughs> what do they know picking their 60s 50s <laughs> movies raised on rotten tomatoes and uh, uh multiplexes and what andre bazan wrote about renoir it is something that is very like it's perfect that he says that it seems effortless mm. that his direction is is very precise but it feels like it, you have to be so good to make it feel like you didn't even worry about it. Like he, even for the script in this movie, he uh, wrote only, I think, a third of the script and the rest was just really well plotted. But the actors are improvising. What? And, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, and, Where? Sorry? Where are they improvising? Like everywhere in the movie, but like within the parameters that he gave them, so he knew where to shoot and stuff. Like when yeah. they were blocking and such, and it's a clear uh, his influence is clear throughout cinema, particularly uh, with Robert Altman with something like Gosford Park. Mm. But the idea of like the the ensemble picture, uh, like a proper Upstairs ensemble and picture. Downstairs and... Yeah, Gosford Park is pretty much a remake of this movie, even with the with the assassination and stuff. Uh, but with the twists and turns, but not exactly. It's very it's inspired a bit, it's by It's a it. bit more Cluedo, let's yeah. say. <laughs> this is... Yeah, Clue's another good movie. Tim Curry is amazing. That... <laughs> I fucking love Cluedo. Uh, and... Also, like the, the but it, it, he's a genius in that sense. That like even Scorsese uh, calls Renoir one of his major influences and etc. He's like a huge humanist, but at the same time, he's like a uh, a lot of humanist directors are uh, are are considered to be either soppish, soppish and stuff that like they trust the best things about humans, and I think that. Like, uh, or naive in some way. Yeah, I think that Renoir's humanism comes to, of realizing the death in huma- humanism. That all, like, it's something that Octave says in this movie that is a clear uh, link to the the political uh, scenario at that time. Uh, that uh, everybody has their reasons, mm. he says, and it's th- that idea that he's genius in portraying. Also, that all the characters are the main characters in their own story none of them feel like the supporting character of a movie. Mm. And it's very few films have the depth that this movie has in like a deep bench of characters that, that every scene, that like any pairing between two characters, you're like, that's the best pairing. And then the another pairing occurs and you're like, no, I want to see an entire movie with just these two characters. <laughs> and it, it keeps going. And it's a movie that is incredibly enjoyable. 
but at the same time has like such a, a, a depth behind it and it, like it's one of the best edited movies I've ever seen not only for like the moment to moment editing but also to the pacing of the movie is absolutely perfect the the crescendo the, the the movie develops and also how even the middle doesn't sag and usually this kind of movie it really sags in the middle because you're you're building towards something special the beginning is entertaining because you're mm. setting up all these characters but in the middle you're just getting to the next part yeah uh i also uh, watched it the first time uh when uh, i went through the the list of best movies sight and sound and when i was just trying to expand my film knowledge when i started mm. college so i was going down the list uh like obviously uh, like there was a lot attached to each movie yeah because you're like watching the best movies ever made and even vertigo kind of disappointed me because like i love vertigo but i don't think it's one of the best movies ever made no but this i absolutely find it quite strange loved yeah yeah Yeah. uh, how it's number one now uh, but also it's like uh, the, I thought that you'd like it and not only because of like the style of filmmaking and such that it, it recalls to what you enjoyed in My Darling Clementine the uh, uh, the ensemble uh, actual blocking that like most of the, the actors are on screen and stuff but also how how the fuck did Renoir make so much movement before Steadicam was invented like there's like filmmakers nowadays that Ask themselves how the fuck did he do it because the camera is yeah, both no, free like... and not like nowadays you just go you had the camera in the steady cam mm. but then it's like how the fuck did he do pull pulled it off and also it's uh, how citizen kane is always uh, uh attributed for the deep the focus deep and focus, everything yeah. else and then this is just amazing because you have like the developments of like plot big plot developments Going happening in the background, in the background yeah. and then in the foreground there's it, 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 you're never working with this many named characters either in citizen kane like, yeah where you know what i mean like most of the time you're very focused obviously on one or two people and there will be things in the background and stuff and things in the foreground but most of the time you're only concentrating on like one or two things so it's it's not you know it, it's not doing as much as it is here i think uh so uh without further ado what did you think of your first renoir experience Experience. Uh, uh, besides the the only just as a, a note, besides uh, you shit on it because I I hear the the little breath. We me and Orla like for the listener we never text each other uh, if we think or talk anything about the the movie before sitting down to talk about the movie but i just got a text about like the creepy dolls the other oh day oh my god so <laughs> many fucking creepy dolls <laughs> creepy racist dolls like <laughs> this is so, but we couldn't elaborate because obviously we can't uh, uh yeah no i love this um, yes. <laughs> um what the fuck you know you didn't how can you not enjoy this no it's because it, like with, with your uh, diseased uh, situation uh, at the moment the little deep breath before talking it was like one of uh, your like i hate this movie kind of breath no i did it on purpose duh. Uh, duh. Um, <laughs> i fell for it i mean yeah you usually do um <laughs> well i haven't had the opportunity to do this in a while i actually really love the film um yeah no um no i, I did i did really love this like it, it, it's obviously fantastic um and way better than vertigo i'm sorry like i love vertigo but like i like i way prefer at least like three other of hedgecock's films including north by northwest which is great but anyways um yeah it was funny about this film it's like 
for a film that I really, really like, it actually took me like a little while to uh, to get into it. Because um, kind of at the start, like you're presented with these sort of like unlikable kind of caricatures. And you're kind of like, oh, you know, they look at them with their charmed, decadent lives. And all they have to worry about is like, you know, oh, we're so Parisian. We don't care about our infidelities. And, you know, and you're just like, oh, Jesus. I was like, isn't, isn't, isn't it so hard to be rich? You know? And then like, then you get to the scene whenever um, Octave goes over to Christine's house and they have their first sort of like bonding thing and he's like lying on her bed talking to her and everything and like I think Octave is 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 like you're the way in, into the film he's the like he's the best character in the whole thing like and I can't, I can't believe that's also like Renoir because it's like how can you be the man who made the movie and the man who made the movie you know what I mean it's like fuck's sake who is this genius um but uh, yeah, I think it's like it's our way, it's our way into the film, and you start to understand the other characters through him because you're kind of immediately sympathetic to um, to Octave because he is like he's funny and he's kind of like he's a bit, he's kind of a sad sack, you know. He's this like overweight, you know, slightly rumpled, like whilst around all these like images of like you know aristocracy and perfection and like perfect manners and everything, and he's just sort of like rumpled, you know. He almost looks like um. You know, he's like Charlie Chaplin or something, yeah. or or um, he's well, he's like he's more like Buster Keaton, I suppose. But um, um, but I think like what uh is like great about his character is like watching his relationship to everyone else is it's just like like not even just his relationship with Christine, but even his relationship with um having the characters here is actually because I forgot other names um Robert as well um and just like all these little interactions that he's having is like your way into all the other characters and then as it goes on all these characters are suddenly having their own little lives but you're you've already been brought into their lives into their stories into their so um I it's like he he is just like I think fantastic um I think as well is that like he however much he feels like he's sort of like you know feeding off his friends he just truly love him, his friends and they truly love him you know what I mean that so it's like for like the the appearances of these characters like ultimately they you kind of see like the goodness and like their their motivations behind everything um but like first of all like what's fantastic about this and you've already said it is that it's hilarious like it is really 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 genuinely funny and like I think this thing like are you saying about the, the parts of it being um improvised is just crazy to me like the 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 blocking is 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 crazy like about halfway well maybe not maybe like maybe in the midway point or, or a little bit later I just had to pause it and go what like all just there's so much going on and like he's moving around through like all these like and like uh, the way people come in and out of frame and oh my god it's absolutely fantastic and like the last 30 minutes of this is at like it's like a master class like it is just <laughs> there is so much going on and it's just it's hilarious and like all these interactions between like all the characters and like the staff are coming in and like 
you know, like there's a gunfight in the middle of it that's like all the way through all this like ridiculous stuff happening and everyone's still with their like proper, uh, like, you know, but it's just, it's absolutely hilarious. And one of the things that actually killed me was um, your man dressed as a bear. Like, yeah, I, like nobody will get him out of the costumes. Like, he's just walking around. <laughs> <laughs> even whenever he's just like in the performance that oh my god that whole section whenever they're putting on their performance is one of the most amazing things i've ever seen i've seen i've seen the thing with the skeletons and the umbrellas i've i've definitely seen that before but like it's just incredible and i love also the, like, the how how the punchline <laughs> works because before like a week before in the in the timeline of the movie that they are like oh we're gonna organize timeline. Sorry? Don't say timeline. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, we we murdered that the word after watching Primer. Uh, the, uh, in, the, in the movie about when they're organi- thinking of organizing the, the party, Octave says, and I'm going to dress up as a bear. And everybody's just laughing because it just sounds like, of course you are, but it's a joke. And then, <laughs> and then he just cuts like he's dressed as a bear. It's such a weird bear suit as well. Like, it's just... Oh my god! You know what the the comedy of this movie, uh, this uh, movie clearly, clearly influenced in the way that it's shot and how the comedy is played. Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh my god! Yes. Oh my god! Even like to a certain extent, like the tracking as well, and like the way of how in in. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Um. Although Phantom Thread. Um, <laughs> Are you here to ruin my evening? Perhaps my entire life. I can't start. <laughs> I can't start the day with a confrontation, but it is beautiful. Oh god! Sorry, Whew. Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, Wes Anderson even. Um, and the way he layers his his sets and his locations yeah. and the way that like it's not even just lateral tracking it's like actual tracking as well like back through the different ways and everything and the way that like everything seems like all these different layers as if it's like slices of acetate or something yeah. like all these things laid up absolutely and like the 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 like decadence of it as well or not decadence is not the right word um What's the word? Uh, the op- opulence. Op- opulence is the right word. There we go. Like not even just in like this ridiculous French society, but like in just the way that it's like presented and it, everything is just like too much. But in, in this like beautifully um, controlled, non-Baz Luhrmann-esque way. Um, and it's like, a, something with Wes Anderson that like he captured perfectly. That is the, the, the sense of how the world was in the interwar period. Yeah. Obviously, this is set in the interwar period. So like. Like, it's uh, a bit uh, more authentic. Yeah, but like, and also the the use of depth for the visual comedy, like uh, the the moment that really like calls to attention in uh, Grand Budapest Hotel mm. is when Ray Fiennes gets the note that he might be accused of murder. When oh, he runs into the background, <laughs> but and, he just keeps going. Yeah. And this is like that's exactly the same shot as when Marceau is downstairs and uh, oh I love and, Marceau and, uh, yeah Marceau is one of my favorite characters in film history. I'm trying to leave whenever <laughs> I'm trying to leave whenever your older husband are there and he like knocks over a saucepan or something yeah. and shit just goes everywhere. But you can see him like do do 
<laughs> and she's just eating an apple. And, like. and she's just like, mm-hmm, yes, yes, darling, yes. And you're just like, and you're like, why did she marry him? <laughs> oh my God. Schumacher, <laughs> the one with the straightest back <laughs> in the entire world. Like he is, he, he reminds me, he has the posture <laughs> of Lance Reddick. He has the posture of Lance Reddick. The guy from like from uh, fucking the wire and uh, and uh, oh fucking... no that's no is that his name yeah fucking um John Wick yeah yeah um where like he has the same like oh, Schumacher yeah, yeah. has like, exactly the same posture yeah, yeah. it's like, like they take him to a board yeah frighteningly like erect yeah. basically yeah. <laughs> his face is so like wild-eyed and crazy as well it's like whenever he's running around on I can see when I was thinking about it earlier I completely forgot about him and Marceau and like their whole crazy storyline as well oh my god like it's just it's it's fantastic um it's a truly layer cake of a movie yes though. yes exactly and i think that it, like wes anderson is actually a really good call i think uh, particularly in, in grand budapest but even even in something like darjeeling limited or royal tenenbaums <laughs> uh, really calls attention as well <coughs> even the design of the house and uh the people coming in and out of it rooms in the like corridors. A, it feels like a dollhouse. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like the way that you could open any little thing and there'll be something inside. Um. Yeah. Oh, it, it's just, it's absolutely, it's absolutely fantastic. And like, yeah, like we talked a bit about the, um, the, the visuals of it, but like the, the deep focus really, it's just, it's, I didn't notice it until um maybe like the very, very last sort of like, yeah like maybe like the last 30 minutes whenever the whole thing really starts to kick off and like i keep pausing it and going wait what it's like people are like running up the stairs people over here having a fight like it's uh, you know and everything's just like boop, 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 boop. over here this little bit of action boop, 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 boop. And, but like never does it feel it manages to feel like incredibly f- like light on its feet but not inconsequential yeah if you know what i mean and like like incredibly like fatalistic and and to the point at which whenever we get to the point that um andre um finally gets shot it feels inevitable and as if it was always gonna happen but not not like inconsequential at the same well, it's time it's also like a very uh, gently like the, the more you watch like this was like the fourth time i watched this yeah. movie uh, like uh, it is very well uh, alluded to as the movie progresses like first the car crash so it's like somebody that is looking for his death and it's always the the oh, for any I tragedy their, or their, i love their relationship as well sorry uh andre and uh Octa- yeah. well octave's relationship with everybody yeah. like even at the end is like the best combination octave and more so just talking at the end i know oh my god it's so sad but so great like where will you go now but the andre it's like uh what would be a shakespearean hero he's like yeah. the, the flawed kind of hero that follows the rules let's say that romantic possessive love that is the flaw of a lot of Shakespeare's characters, like particularly Othello, mm. and that uh, then you have the 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 little foreshadowing of uh, something bad happening in the hunt when people are just pointing guns. Uh, the like the the birds are not really flying high, so when they're like swiveling with the guns, they're like passing, passing people, people, so yeah. that a, a somebody could get shot at the same any moment. And also, like Christine, then looking at Robert with the, the binoculars, that it's like sniper kind of vision. <laughs> but then it's like, 
the the allusion to Shakespearean trauma that he it's only a tragedy if he's killed after getting what he wanted. Yeah. So the moment that Christine agrees, like, but the mo- same time is that he's, it's that uh, also the tragic comedy of uh, sorts because he's killed he, for he, being thought of being somebody else. But it's because there's everybody like Schumacher thinks that Christine is Lisette because she's wearing Lisette's cape, mm. and that Andre is Octave because Andre is wearing Octave's cape. So he's gonna kill Octave wrongly anyways so yeah, he well, kills the wrong no, originally, person originally he didn't even think it was octave did he not think that it was someone else in the greenhouse before octave leaves yeah yeah because he thinks it's who does he think it is originally or does he know it's or does he know well it's he does octave? he thinks it's uh, uh he thinks it's octave because of octave size and also because marceau is next to him marceau pointed to him oh yeah so it's like this huge confusion uh of sorts like I do think that it's also important to note that this movie has a like as part of the deep bench is that the female characters are not shorthanded in this movie. Oh no, no, not at all. Not at all. Like they are as prominent as the male characters are. Like that And as interesting and complex and Yeah. That that's the thing of, of like what was the real joy of this was like when I when you kinda like when I kinda have like finally eased into it. I think it's because of the this kind of style of comedy is not something that I've really watched in a different language. Yeah. So I feel like that was probably a small, a small barrier so that whenever I kind of like got accustomed to it, I, I re- like really started to like love the characters. And it's like, it, it's when you kind of come to the realization that, you know, there, it's not just like hero, damsel, villain, etc. Like there is no real hero, villain, damsel in distress but like even at the same time, like they they don't sort of become like the opposite of what they appear at the beginning either. Like we don't have where like they you know you turn over like where you have the the hero becoming the like oh no he's actually the villain, whatever. It's like you just have these like characters you end up feeling incredibly well rounded. And how long is this? It's funny because in my mind it feels like you're barely with them it's at all. It's an hour forty five minutes. Yeah, like, like it, it just it, flies. I can't. If you'd have told me it was eighty minutes, I would have gone yeah, like. 100% because it doesn't feel like you're with these characters at all and yet you feel like you know them so well and that like all their particular struggles as like over the over the course of um it's like a weekend yeah they're about a week I'd say the, yeah because it, like even the, the rain when they come in and everything it's, yeah uh, yeah I love the way you're never entirely sure how many people are actually in the house because there's obviously like the named players that we're kind of following and then there's like a few other people who are kind of there like dignitaries or whatever well, like the, 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 the other guy that tries to get with christine in the middle of the party like he just comes out of left field and tries <laughs> oh, to rob yeah. christine <laughs> i was just watching it and i was like dude stop like stop sexually assaulting people <laughs> that's all i can think of like fucking octave as well we just kept like fondling people it's like stop it um but uh, uh even marcel as well like just I know, yeah, it's like she like has, literally has to fight him off but, uh, but at the same time like this would sound completely wrong in the out of context but she like really likes it as well because she's pursuing him as well yeah, Lisette well, they, kind of they clearly like have a kind of a past, though. You kind of see that they kind of have a little flirtation or something. Yeah. So it's not... 
Um, Love is all like. But it's just funny how like prominent it is. You know what I mean? Of like and like re- like over the top and silly the whole thing is, where it's like you know like grabbing the arse and then like ooh, you know what I mean? It's like it's all re- it's also heightened and silly that so it's like you're just not used to seeing that. So it's just like. <laughs> Oh, I loved about um, Robert as well. It's like, <laughs> he has some of the best lines in the entire film. Like, at one point, uh, I think it's during like the, the epic gun battle. Uh, he's like, it may, talking about his friends, he's like, it may be wrong of them, but they value their lives. <laughs> it's just like, and I love like his oh. uh, his confrontation with Andre as well. That oh my god, both... it's the best fight ever! Like, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like strange. It is kind of like Shakespearean like theater fighting or something. Yeah. You know, you like the strange, silly kind of like sort of bear hugging and rolling around on the ground. Oh, when he challenges him to a duel, he just <laughs> refuses to accept. Like, he's like, "Those are, you're not, you can't do that. That's not the rules." <laughs> But like my my, I think that the uh, that we were talking about the pairings of like which one is the best pair in the yeah. movie. My favorite pair is Robert and Marcel. Like, like how <laughs> I love how like Robert just uh, I I forgot about whenever there he's like wandering around and he's just like I don't want rabbits but I don't want fences. Um, <laughs> like, and you're like oh what a prick and oh that poor Schumacher you know. <laughs> to put up with this prick um and then like your man's just like Marceau huh I like you you're hired <laughs> it's like and then it's like I don't want to be in the field he hires him to kill rabbits and it's like no I just want to be an indoor kind of <laughs> servant that's my dream and then like uh, the, the scene of him polishing the shoes and everybody's <laughs> like my shoes have been stolen <laughs> because he's just being but so finicky about it like then they kind of get distracted by something else and they kind of like wander off like what's so funny about this is as soon as it, it you know like the 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 real kind of um the like the the clear criticism of um of the bourgeoisie and everything starts to kind of become very prominent i was just like ah bonwell and uh well what's funny i think as bonwell as a as a comparison is there's always something kind of like um like cold and removed about uh, Bunuel, and I think it's it's. I don't think it's just like the surrealism. I think it's that th- there's less warmth in how Bunuel treats his subjects. I think, and he. I, I don't think Bunuel has a, a true like humanism or kind of like love or understanding of um the the people that he's portraying. Not all the time, but saying something like the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie. Like his later films, whenever he becomes more and more, it's all he's almost like a parody of himself. Whereas, like, there's a there's a real warmth here in that he like it. This it's sh- this sharp. It's sharp criticism. Like he's leaving nothing unturned. He's poking every well, bear. Like uh, there, 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 uh, there's a <clears throat> famous story that a uh, rich French man uh, during the the first screening of this movie when it premiered, he started to uh, to. Put uh, newspapers on fire inside the cinema and try to burn them. <laughs> <laughs> the Travesty to, to to stop the screening because oh my God. It, because it's, it's like, not that surprising though. Like, yeah, because it was like a clear reflection of like it's so biting as a satire that is, but so subtle as well. And at the same time, is the genius of it that is it, the Altman clearly took from it when doing Gosford Park. That it is a satire of a society and a, a very uh, 
rigid society at that. Yeah. But also uh, not uh, criticizing the characters themselves. He criticizes the society that forces yeah. them to behave that way. Not the and it's a very like pointed. Uh, uh, it, it's a very clear-cut reason why the movie is called the rules of the game yeah the it is the game and it's a well they're all playing it but they're all stuck in it and once you if you break the rules of the game you lose Hmm. so you have to go and then like the two guys that like andre is the most rigid in maintaining the rules of the thing is like that they think that if you're in love with somebody you have to get married with them doesn't matter if they're married to somebody else Mm. because the rules is if you're in love you have to get married yeah and but you know you have to go and like meet my mother first yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's the one that gets his come up on this he's the one that gets killed in it like, breaking the he's rob stark yeah mm. yeah I, I thought a lot of of something like um of uh see, like the, the dolce vita as well um which is such a like obviously it's a different era and a different country it's like a similar theme of, of, of kind of like the decadence of a particular time and of a particular society. Um, and that's such a like rambling opus of like, you know, all these sections and all this disparate, you know, like, oh, look at all the excess and like more drink, more sex. Um, and it's just so God, it's so harrowing. <laughs> Whereas like, this is such a like tight, like, it's almost like I don't even know how to describe it like a merry-go-round almost of like cinematic pleasure it's just like a like kaleidoscope that you're just turning kaleidoscope kaleidoscope yes. yeah <laughs> right word wrong pronunciation <laughs> story of my that's life that's okay though that's a hard word so I'm pretty uh, yeah kaleidoscope yeah exactly and like but everywhere you turn it's beautiful so in a way like Kaleidoscope is a good is a good way to describe it because it's like no matter where you turn towards the light, you'll get a different but interesting pattern. And like I, you do feel that like no matter where you turn or where you look in this, there's something interesting happening and something beautiful. Um, so like it just I it, I <laughs> I just really really enjoyed the whole experience of like just drinking it all in and then, you know, like, spawning little things. And, like, I swear to God, like, on Halloween, I really want to just recreate that whole skeleton dance thing. <laughs> like, because I, I really love party scenes in movies. Like, I love just, I love people getting ready for parties in movies. Like, sometimes if I'm cooking, I'll put on my favorite selection of, like, people getting ready for parties and, like, making things. Um, <laughs> um, this might have to be added because it's so great. Um... And it's one of those few films that manages to be both great comedic in a verbal sense, but also slapstick. Yeah. It, like, Proper old school, like... But it's not like Chaplin slapstick. It's just... No. There's yeah. a weird realism to it as well, that it's what makes it... It's the way it's shot, though. And the performances as well. like that Because he... it doesn't... It's not It's not theatrical. You know what I mean? In the way that they're, they're blocking is... You know what I mean? Like he, it's, it's 3D. You know what I mean? It's like he's. <coughs> they're not being presented for the screen. No, you don't wrong. feel as if like they're being presented for like the people in this row. You know what I mean? It feels, it feels every single like sort of plane of focus feels like another section of, 
so the whole thing feels like a proper 3d experience it's... and it's what uh, really truly demonstrates the genius of renard that this was completely in his head like he just like uh, he said that he was just following his intuition as he was making the movie and it's like you go in and you think you see so many like especially when you're starting out so many filmmakers that go i'm just gonna improvise you know and magic yeah. is gonna happen which is just leaving the camera rolling and like people have made entire careers out of that and it's called comedy and you're like no <laughs> like it's the jude apatow kind yeah. of comedy thing. and like as un- as underwhelmed with baby driver as i was you can't be unimpressed by that movie like yeah. because it's it is it's it's a like it's a similar it's a, in a similar vein of like the the orchestration of the whole thing and the use of the entire frame and like all you know like blocking everything and how like like perfect that whole thing is it is true that um like we've done, have we talked about that every frame of painting um video where we talked about like modern comedy and how Edgar Wright is such an outlier because he's using the entire frame yeah. not just dialogue it's a good companion piece also to a Every Frame of Paintings uh, episode on Buster Keaton as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, uh, at the same time, it comes to this, that it's the realism, the difference between a Charlie Chaplin gag and a Buster Keaton gag. Mm, the house really falls more... on <laughs> Yeah, but it's not only that. It's that like, Buster Keaton's gags were always like uh, never just for the laugh. They propel the story. Mm. in a way that Chaplin wouldn't do for every single gag well Keaton did there was either character or story yeah in his gags but because each character was so different well Chaplin always played the tramp with the exception of like the great dictator let's say so like it's he doesn't have to like develop the character through the gags you know like uh, Keaton has that famous uh, uh, scene that uh, it's just him and a woman having dinner together and they're both clearly in love and they're having picnic but it just rained so they have a table set and they're like putting their elbows on the table but because it's so muddy the table keeps like lowering <laughs> to the ground and it just keeps them putting in like more awkward positions but because they're so infatuated they're just like going with it kind of thing you know and this movie does that <laughs> to a lesser could've... degree because obviously it's not a silent comedy yeah it's, uh, it has yeah but the... you see the very direct influence of it absolutely um but at the same time it this feels modern yeah oh yeah, it has an age <laughs> today like uh a, th- that is something that it's in every single renoir movie and that's why he is one of the greats like uh you watch one of his earlier like uh, the the one about the homeless guy that i was talking about that was like 1931 mm. and it, it feels like if you take out the fact that uh, it's shot with really bad film stock because it was like a cheap independent movie from 1931 <laughs> uh, if you take that out ten a penny It'd be like you, you go, Jesus, like the, just the, the thought process behind it, like both in the in the advancement of uh, filmmaking and also the, the like uh, there's a lot of uh, critics and filmmakers that said that they can't imagine cinema without Jean Renoir. Mm because like uh, well that's he the thing is that he so just much. this just it, as you said it came out of his head there was nothing you know he didn't make a mood board before you know what yeah. i mean and go on pinterest and like or like in the way of someone like scorsese who's you know of you know uh 
master of certain things in his own right, but you know, he makes the storyboards out of shots from other movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he grew up on cinema. Whereas like Renoir It's just like he was inventing shit as he went along and yeah. everything was not perfect. There's a couple of his films that I'm not a huge fan of, but yeah. he's never made an uninteresting movie. He's never made a truly bad movie either. Like he's not, but like he's made like four or five movies that I'd consider close to masterpieces. This is like this is one of my favorite movies uh, to watch, and and it's like it shows also like the 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 genius of the movie that it's it it's could better have than been Citizen Kane. But not only that, <laughs> like I do agree uh, with you on that. I am so underwhelmed by Citizen Kane. But it's that uh, I, I I won't be dragged into that argument because I don't think we have time. To, <laughs> but uh, mainly is that like, if you see that list, every single other movie, it's like a big movie that is either like really flashy like Vertigo or mm. something that is like covering so much like Citizen Kane or, like or Psycho or <laughs> etc. That is like big stories or whatever. And this is so small in a way and so big in other ways. But it, it truly shows that like it's not just a cult hit, you know, that it's not like that two people go like, I love this movie. You know, mm. like if you compare this to something like Darling Clement, My Darling Clementine, that is only people that understand, like that love John Ford and Westerns would have heard of my darling clementine hmm. but this is like in it's the, the rules yeah of the game like it's there and it's and it's a much smaller story than my darling clementine in many ways but it's it's different like even but it's not though because it's like the story of pre-war europe yeah you know what i mean like which in a way is like the story of europe you know so it doesn't like i i find pre-war anywhere fascinating like pre-war like Britain, the interwar pre- period well mean. well yeah so okay okay interwar then um oh, like this the 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 atmosphere that that is like permeating everything and like the the expectation like but atonement the, uh, yeah the, yeah but the they almost just like it's the last hurrah before you know judgment day it's like the last days of rome or something and it's, it's also like the 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 interesting thing of like the, that versus something like the first world war because first world war just came out of nowhere nobody was expecting it and nobody was expecting also to be the conflict the size of the conflict that it was you know mm. like uh world war Two was something that felt almost inevitable you know mm. for like years that I, it was just the difference is that like the first world war is blindly tumbling along until war became inevitable well, this was like the war was inevitable in 1933 when Hitler came to power, and then we all, everybody we just, all just went down. <laughs> well, waiting for everything to catch up. Well, in Europe, obviously, in, in the Pacific, it was a different situation because it was a global conflict. Not getting into that. What do you think of the use of music in the movie? And did you notice it? Because it has a lot of classical pieces throughout. Nope. But it's one of the like it's that, like it's didn't a know, hard movie in the way. All, strangely, like. Uh, the sound is interesting, though. Like, I thought the sound was, like, really... Because it's all... Like, sound is always one of those things that you kind of give a pass to, particularly in 30s, 40s, 50s movies. Even later than that, um, as we have noticed in 70s movies. But um, after a while, I kind of realized that the sound quality is, like... Re- like, the, as in the sound mixing 
is like really really well done i was like hmm, this is interesting and also it's like the even like the sound effects that they use like the gunshots are don't sound as kind as other movies over there. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but even like the the way that but also in the acting that uh, we were talking about before that it, even the way that they hold the guns and stuff it's not like movie kind of holding the gun mm. kind of thing. There's nothing. It's the weird thing. It's like a slapstick, realistic social. But the drama lighting, the lighting is another thing as well. Um, I can't remember if I said anything about that when we were talking about visual style, but um, even in like um how the actresses are lit or or how. Um, you know, like our hero is lit or whatever. Like we're not, we're not seeing an awful lot of like incredibly prominent top lighting or anything. Or yeah, there's or, not a soft 1930s no, Hollywood lighting not at all. And um, it it really makes it because that's something that dates movies. Like even in something like My Darling Clementine, it's yeah. absolutely riddled with that stuff, and it really dates it. Like, but you don't have that here at all. Like it, it's it's really interesting. I was it like it, it killed me just as a final note when you started talking about like uh, in the beginning of the movie that you you were like oh this rich people provision that they don't care about uh, monogamy the, monogamy etc. I was like oh Jesus if she thinks that the entire movie is like on the side of the rich people <laughs> I'm losing the plot but you already had you already had see, said it that you you, you liked the movie. But, oh my god, I should have kept that up to see how long I could keep going. I said because Jean Renoir was a famous leftist, like at the time, like uh, he. Oh, that's like, clear. <laughs> but, like, but at the same time, it's the weird thing that we were saying before that he. If you see this versus, like, the way that, I don't know, um, Goddard deals with the bourgeoisie, it's just that, like, there's a certain kind of dismissiveness to it yeah that's goddard is actually a better example because i hate i feel like i dinged on uh on bonwell and i do actually like bonwell whereas i have absolutely zero time whatsoever for goddard and he definitely has a judgmental coldness to him like there's not an ounce of humanism in the in like goddard's body um not that goddard is without talent but that's not something that he possesses and it's very clear in those films so you're kind of you feel like you're sitting back and judging them rather than yeah. kind of getting involved in their stories or their plights or whatever. Um, so it's just, it doesn't give you the same, you're never going to get the same satisfying, um, like, like a film going experience or like watching experience out of a movie like that, that you are from this because yeah. like you're involved. You know? I'm saying this film is cynical at the end or so. That oh it's yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it's a weird experience. It's that kind of movie that every time that I watch it, I get something else out of the movie. Mm. And it's never like, it's like a meal that you love. That no matter how many times you eat, like, of course, if you eat every day, like, it'll be ruined. But, you know, it's the, if your favorite food is a lasagna mm. and you have it like every year, like six months or something, you prepare like proper, like from scratch lasagna. And it's like a treat, you know. You're like, oh, you I can wait. Thing. Yeah, and this is like that. That you're just like you. You can already like uh, sense when you start watching the the little like notes of flavor that are gonna come down the the road. You know, but you're kind of like, ooh, anticipating. Mm. Mm. You're just savoring it like it's mouth watering. Ricardo was very animated this week. Like there's a lot of hand movements and like you know <laughs> preparing the lasagna. 
Yeah, but for some reason I'm kneading the dough, yeah, even though I've never fucking made pasta. No, that's that's clear. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like. I mean, even just um, like. Uh, and by the way, I'm very glad that you liked that idea. Oh no, I, re- I, I really, I really, I really able did. to. No, I, I hundred percented. Um, even like when we were talking about the improvisation and stuff, I, I, I really want to go uh, uh, to read more because I actually haven't about like how his style was actually for this movie because he usually didn't do that in movies. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'd love to know more. I didn't actually look up anything at all. So because Altman's style like was similar in the sense of improvisation, like for Gosford Park in particular, but in all of his ensemble comedies like Mash, uh, Mash and uh, Nashville as well, was that he get like two actors and the scene is about the two actors. And then he goes, oh, this is too boring. So he gets two other actors to stand in the background, but you're recording the dialogue for those two actors as well. Mm. And then it's like, you have to be in character. So like uh, Clive Owen was saying that in Gosford Park, there was one moment that he was uh, going to the toilet. Like he's just walking down the set to go to the toilet. And one of the ADs just pulled him into set. And he's like just standing there because says that if you notice in the background, he's just kind of like <laughs> trying to like hold the pee and having to like improvise at the same time. I actually have moments in that. I must watch that again, actually. That would probably fit into our current uh, watching pattern, I think. Yeah, like in, in you get uh you truly get the how close it is to yeah. this movie. Like, I, uh, I, think, I don't think I've seen that in years. Bob Balaban, Ryan Felipe, Michael Gambon. Uh, Is Michael Gambon not one of the ones that was a creep owner? uh, Well, like, yeah. And then Maggie Smith, uh, like, just (sighs) doing the Maggie Smith thing. Yeah, well, I did think of Downton while watching this, so... Um, Of course. Well, like, like, this is the, like, quintessential... It's the weird thing that the British really took this kind of movie to their... Because Downstairs, Upstairs is the same kind of... That's yeah, well, that that was the original Downton, like absolutely, yeah. and then Downton. But that was like seventies or something yeah, already. Yeah. So like, uh, uh, and it's weird as well because uh, for the fact that the what happened after the war, but you don't really associate France with this type of aristocracy. But mm. obviously, they oh, had it was kind there. of thing. <laughs> it existed. Oh Jesus, yeah, and as well like the the the. Uh, imperialist Fishy. France was kind of like uh, weird in their ways that like they invaded Algeria because the ambassador got accidentally slapped in the face <laughs> and that's why they like a hundred year occupation that's because it's a great, a great I, I mean colonization yeah. is it's a he got hit with a mosquito uh, like swatter that's why somebody went to kill a mosquito and hit him by mistake instead of killing the mosquito so France invaded the next day so he impulse bought <laughs> a colony yeah like the the, the Algeria until, like that was 1830 so they just kept it until 1960 co- it's not causing any problems though. it's fine <laughs> um <laughs> um yeah what was your favorite thing uh well like uh Shane Carruth. Yeah, like that. It's pretty much that. Like, there's no way I'm not saying that it's Jean Renoir, both as Octave and as uh, like his genius throughout. Like, it's and also it's like he rewrote the character of Octave so he could play the character Mm. because he wrote it for his brother, (laughs) and like they're very different. So like he just reworked it and then made it like that in the last minute. Like. uh, I don't understand. Like, this movie should not be as good as it is. <laughs> I mean, even whenever, like, you read out that 
like synopsis or when you try to explain what this film actually is doesn't really give it any doesn't really do it any justice you know even the little lines it's like oh yeah that he's the, the like the, the sense of frenchness of the movie that, <laughs> oh, of yes. the 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 first one of the first lines in the movie is that he create he crossed the atlantic in a flight only 10 years after Lindbergh. <laughs> it's only 10 years well done <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh god. Uh but yeah like uh Renoir and it's, it's the weird thing is that like uh, I, I I like this is going to probably uh, uh make me watch all Renoir's movies again because every time that I watch this movie or any other Renoir movie it just makes me want to watch the others as well because they're all so good mm. that like uh, I won't watch them for like two or three years and then I'll, I'll I'll sit down and watch one. And then it's like two months later and all I've seen for the last two months is Renoir movies, so... Okay. Uh, that might but, not be a bad thing. Uh, oh, no. Like, the, those are enjoyable two months. <laughs> There's a lot worse ways of spending your free time. Well, my favorite thing um, was also uh, Octave slash Sean Renoir. Um, yeah, it's, it's... I mean, like, <laughs> it's just really upsetting. Like, another week after... Um, like after Shane and now we have like an even more accomplished bastard. Yeah. Um even like if it's kind of like Octave and like how, how tragic he is of yeah. like his you know, he's like kinda of like a failure and it's Oh yeah, the line sad. that says that it's uh, uh, I, I live on the uh, depending on my friend's sympathies or yeah. something. Uh, how... Like playing the fool as like in their entertainment or something and yeah, like even at the end, like he's you know, he's kind of he has nothing really left now because, like, his friend is dead. And, yeah, he's just... Oh, he's such a great character. I, I love the scene of when he's just pissed off that Andre tried to kill himself in the car with him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Oh, no, the, the thing with the pillows where he's just like, I hate pillows! <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, so bizarre. Then you also have Robert's, like, obsession with the little oh, toys God, and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, my God, yeah. And he's there trying to find, like, the crank for his fucking clock or something. So funny, and he's such a like weird little man. And, uh, uh, another thing that I read years ago that the scene when uh, when Robert uh, demonstrates the the big box that is like his uh, fate accompli kind of thing, <laughs> that uh, Renoir spent two days just getting the close up because he goes has to have the right amount of pride and misery that is like <laughs> because it's both like the pride of going like. It, pride and shame he said the pride of like i found this thing and it's like my hobby and everybody knows that i'm good at and also demonstrates how much money he has and stuff but also that if he has that much time it means that he's not spending enough time with like loving or like having an actual life <laughs> so like he's both revealing his success and his failure <laughs> to his friends so like he said it had to be just the right beat and he spent two days just like rolling and rolling to to get that moment and he said it was the best shot he ever shot was that little moment and when you take that screen capture it's like such a good performance moment that like there's like five emotions in his face and it's just brilliant <laughs> just standing there like okay now the eyebrow up slightly like um what's your least favorite thing that the film ends at some point. Like I would have watched like it. I wish like Renoir would have been around for peak TV. Like, yeah. Imagine that. Like, I want ten fucking... hours of this yeah. crack. 
Imagine Downton Abbey, but with this level. Oh, stop. I wouldn't be fit for that. <laughs> Downton Abbey is terrible. I mean, it's great, but it's terrible. It's the Riverdale of, uh, of this kind of movie. Hold the phone. Perhaps. Um. <laughs> so, what was your least favorite thing? <laughs> That I've only seen it once. <laughs> that was for Jesus. you. You can keep Knocked that. Knocked park. <laughs> He's really little face. <laughs> the face. I'm so proud of you, Arla. I'm proud of you for picking it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so that was the rules of the game from 1939. Put it on some evening. Um, it's marvellous. Um, although it wasn't on iTunes. I was very upset. It's in the Criterion Collection stream. Uh, it's uh, what's it oh, called? The uh, Filmstruck. I never think of using Filmstruck. Damn, I should research that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look through everything else and I'm like, it doesn't exist. Um, oh my God. That's, oh my God. That's great. I have like three things I can check now. Sorry. Um, anyways, yeah. So, um, where can they find us, Ricardo? They can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, at The Rec Game on Twitter, The Recommendation Game at gmail.com. You can also find us on The Recommendation Game, um, Dublin Digital Radio, Mixcloud, with the backlog of our episodes. And you can catch us every Monday, 11 to 12, on the Dublin Digital Radio. And if you want to support independent radio like this, uh, please donate to the Dublin Digital Radio Patreon. And it would be great help as they're upgrading their software and stuff too. Woo! Keep providing more the great shows. content that they do. More shows. So, Orlet, next week's film is your pick. Uh, I hope you won't be as ill as this. And that I've survived yeah. Hamburg as well. Yeah, there's a lot of ifs there. Uh, yeah, well, I what I thought would be an interesting choice after this was uh, The Shop on Main Street. A okay. film that Orla is baffled that Ricardo's never seen. So, um, I think that's going to be Actually, never heard of. So, yeah. Czechoslovakian. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah. So uh, thank you, Ricardo. So great. It was a great choice. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And uh, like, I can't wait to like now. That's the thing. Now I just want to show it, like force feed this movie to people. Like, you know, like, watch it. Be like the kindest kidnapper ever. Like go into a bank and like make them watch it and then leave after yeah. the hour and 45 minutes. Bye. After giving them snacks. Yeah. The guards are like, oh, do you have any requests? Bring me the biggest 4K <laughs> HDR TV and a copy of the rules of the game. Criterion collection. Yes. And do not, I repeat, do not break it. Try to storm the building in the next one hour and 45 minutes. You can do whatever you want after. <laughs> do not bring me the original cut or I will start shooting people. <laughs> Dog Day Afternoon Renoir Edition. Then at the end, uh, just, a, just a twist, everybody, because everybody loves the movie, everybody uh, uh, vouches Gives you their for money? me. <laughs> no, vouches for me in the trial. Oh, there you go. Uh, uh, they all drop their, uh, their statements. Yeah, even the bank manager. <laughs> 
It's like the reverse Celtic the hard, Tiger heist. The hardest, the hardest one to uh, to win over was the bank manager, but you yeah. got there in the end. You got the nod. Even the bourgeoisie fuck. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining that he looks like Schumacher. Uh, yeah, cool. So uh, I was Orlando. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>